Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, Mero Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore and mythology, we retell the tale and have a chat about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan and I am your host and your Fireside bard. Welcome to episode 16 of Fireside. That seems like loads. If you're a returning listener, thank you so much for continuing to listen. I hope you're still enjoying it more and more. And if you're a new listener, you're very welcome. I would, as I always, recommend that you go back to the beginning and start listening from episode one. But if you did want to listen to this, this is actually this actually wouldn't be a bad one to start off with, as we're just about to start an entirely new cycle of Irish myth. As I often talk about, there are four main cycles in the Irish mythology. There's the mythological, the Ulster, the Fenian, and the historical. And we are about to start the Fenian cycle. We're dealing with the Fianna and their boy, Fionn McCool. This is very exciting to be starting off in this uh, this new chapter of this podcast um, to get right out the door so we just finished up with the mythological cycle two weeks ago um, with the coming of the gal and kind of the the mortal takeover of Ireland and the Irish gods the two of the Danann going into hiding and becoming the fairies chronologically the next cycle of myths was supposed to be the Ulster cycle which tells the story of the Thorn and Cucullan and Queen Maeve but that is such a big task, and I think that though that cycle of stories will take a different approach um, completely that I decided that I'm going to do that later, and I decided to go straight to the Fenian cycle. To be fair, I don't feel too bad in doing it, because as my main source for a lot of the myths is Lady Gregory's Complete Irish Mythology, and interestingly enough, in that version, she puts the Fenian cycle after the mythological cycle, because she actually treats the Ulster, Ulster cycle as its entirely own section of the book. She even herself treats it totally different, as a different, um, different way of storytelling. So I shall share her ethos with that, as I do with a lot as well. Um, Where am I coming to now? This is actually the fourth episode of Fireside that I'm recording on the road. I am still on tour around the United States of America. I'm recording to you today from Orlando, Florida. And my God, it is beautiful here. I'd never been here before, but of course you just always hear about how gorgeous and sunny Florida is. Florida is apparently sunny 10 months of the year, and I well believe it. It has been absolutely beautiful outside. I've been out sunbathing by the pool, um, and now have retreated back into the darkness of my hotel room to give you your weekly podcast hug, to borrow a phrase from Blind Boy Boat Club. Um, 
it's when when was the last time the last podcast I recorded I think I was in Nashville so good bits happened from then so I've been on tour around the states with a show called Celtic Nights Irish music show uh, where I've been singing playing music and playing a, telling a few stories and now we've actually changed over now I'm on the world of musicals so we finished up we had our two days off in Nashville there and we finished up in South Carolina and I was very sad to say goodbye to the cast of Celtic Nights um, and just to say goodbye to that show in general, I had an absolute ball on it. I think it's my favourite show I've ever done. Um, it just felt like the right kind of thing to be doing, and it went down a storm. And again, yes, I've never been to America, and I love it here. I've had a fantastic time travelling around. We've been treated so well, so nicely. But now, as a great joy, um, we got to be joined by the cast of World of Musicals. So there's same company. I'm working with a company called GFD Promotions, and there's four of us from the cast of Celtic Knights who crossed over into World of Musicals and we're joined by six other fantastic artists and now we are travelling around the States for another three weeks. So we currently, we had our first show in Florida yesterday. We have another seven shows in Florida. We're in Florida for ten days in total, which is incredible. Um, and it was great to get a bit of sun. Anyone who knows what I look like knows that I'm a pasty white Irish man uh, who doesn't tan at all. But I'm happily to I'm happy to report that I'm freckling and getting a little bit of colour at least, which is good for my standards. Okay, I'm going to come jump right into it now. Uh, that's a good enough preamble. Uh, so the story we're telling today is the first story of the Fenian cycle, and of course, what better way to start? Then just tell us a little bit about the Fena. Who were they? This is the forming of the Fena on Fireside. The forming of the Fena. In storytelling, there is history and there is mythology. Often they are totally separate, but sometimes myth and history combine and merge, and history becomes myth, and myth becomes history. This is never more the case than when looking at Irish mythology. The word Fianna comes from the Irish language word meaning the wild ones. Historically, a Fian was a group of warriors made up of young Irish nobles who had not yet inherited land, and thus lived outside of society. Men and women were equal in the Fian. A male member was known as a Fini, a female was known as a Banvini. In terms of group size, nine was considered the ideal number of warriors in a Fien, or really any multiple of three, a sacred number in ancient Ireland. This meant a Fien could consist of 27, or if the time called for it, as many as 3,000. Khan of the Hundred Battles sits on the throne at Tara. Having earned his title, and to ensure the protection of the kingdoms of Ireland, Con forms on Fianna Éireann, the Fianna of Ireland. Within the Fianna, there quickly develops many individual clans, but the two most powerful were the Boskna and the Morna. Those were the only two factions powerful enough to vie for control of the Fianna. During Con's reign, the leader of the Morna was named Gull MacMorna while the chieftain of the Boskna was Cool MacTremnor. Both were powerful, and both sought the position of Ri Fini, king of the Fianna. But as is always the case, there could be only one. At Tara, King Khan's chief advisor was a druid of the Tua de Danon named Taig. 
Tighe was a son of Nuda of the Silver Arm and had a daughter of his own, Muerna. Because of her father's role, Muerna would regularly spend time at Tara. It is here that she met Cool. The two immediately fell in love. And when Tighe found out, he was outraged. He refused to allow his daughter to marry a mortal. He ordered Muerna to return to the other world to the rest of the Tua de Danon. Muerna told her father she would dutifully obey, but in secret married her beloved Cool. Although they did everything they could to keep their marriage secret, one of Tighe's men found out what had happened and told Muerna's father of her illicit nuptials. Tighe was incensed and refused to believe his daughter was capable of betraying him. My daughter is loyal. That mortal dog must have kidnapped her and forced her to marry him. I swear on all of my people, revenge on Cool. Tighe's first step was to poison the king against the young Boskna chieftain. Through his sorcery and machinations, this was easily achieved. Khan and Tighe then began to plot the downfall of Cool together. They enlisted Gull McMorna of Clan Morna to challenge Cool and the Boskna in combat to finally decide who would become head of the Fianna. Cool was with Morna when he heard about Gull's challenge. When Morna heard this, she was reluctant to let Cool go. Because she was one of the Tuatha Dé Danann, she could sense that there was danger and treachery afoot. She feared she would never see her beloved husband again. But Cool was a warrior who had long dreamt of leading the Fianna, so she knew she could not stop him. What Myrna did not tell her husband before he went off to war was that she was, in fact, several months pregnant. Clan Boskna met the Morna at Knock in the west of Ireland. Here, their great battle took place. The Boskna were the larger group and the better fighters, but the Morna had the advantage of a vengeful druid of the Tua de Danon. Tig clouded the Boskna with fear and confusion. Eventually, Cool and Gull met in single combat. They were well matched and they hacked and slashed at each other on the battlefield. Cool's primary advantage was that he held the treasure bag of the Fianna, a magical bag of crane skin which contained weapons and armors of the Fianna that had been passed down from the Tua de Danon. This easily made Cool the stronger fighter. With a knife of Manonan Maclear, the god of the sea, Cool gouged out Gull's eye. Victory seemed certain. But not even the treasures of the Tua de Danon can overcome the powers of an actual member of the Men of Dia. Tig's sorcery finally overcame Cool, who was struck with doubt and fear, and in that briefest of moments that he had let his guard down, Leah, Lord of Lucher, the second in command of the Morna, rose up and struck Cool dead. With their chieftain dead, the tide turned against the Boskna. Gull issued a no-prisoner policy, so even those members of the Boskna that surrendered were killed on the spot. One of the few survivors was Cool's brother, Kimmel, who managed to run and escape into the woods. Despite having lost his eye, Gull was elected Rivini, leader of the Fianna. For his personal victory against Cool, Leah was named treasurer of the Fianna, the responsibilities of which included being given custody over the treasure bag of the Fianna. Gull's lifelong rivalry with the Boskna did not end with his victory over Cool. 
His first order as leader of the Fianna was for his men to hunt down and kill every single remaining member of Clan Baskna, even their families. Although Myrna was near Tara, far away from the battlefield at Nock, her powers as one of the Tua de Danan ensured she knew immediately that her husband Cool had been killed. But Myrna wasted no time mourning. She had her unborn child's life to think of. She knew that Clan Morna would be coming for her, but if they found out that she was pregnant with Cool's own child, they would make it their highest priority. Myrna enlisted the help of two older nurses, her own sister, Bovul, a druidess of the Tua de Danon, and another named Leah Lucra, not to be confused with Leah, Lord of Lucra, who had just killed Cool. Bol, Leah Lucra and the pregnant Myrna escaped into the dense thicket and relative safety of the Sleeve Bloom Mountains, between what is now the counties of Leash and Offaly. Here they built a log cabin, and a couple of uneasy months later, Myrna gave birth to a son. She named him Demna. Although she was overjoyed with the birth of her child, especially as he looked so much like his father, Myrna knew that she was putting her son in even more danger by staying with him. As soon as she had recovered from the delivery, Myrna attempted to lure the Morna away from her child by fleeing to Munster. She left Demna in the more than capable hands of his two nurses, Leah Lucra and Bovel. From the time he could walk, Demna showed an almost preternatural skill at hunting. When he was not even five, he saw a wild duck taking flight from a lake. Demna cast a stone straight through the bird's wings, bringing it to the ground. That was his first hunt. It would certainly not be his last. The child seemed destined to follow in his father's footsteps, so Bovel and Leah Lucra began Demna's training. Bovel taught him how to run, hunt, and about bravery and courage, and the wisdom to know the difference between the two. Leah Lucra taught the boy about courtesy and respect. The two nurses also taught Demna history of the Tua de Danon from whom he was descended, about the Fianna, and of course about his father, Cool, the great chieftain of the Boskna, whom Demna would one day have to avenge. Maybe the child thought this little more than fantasy, because at no age was he ever afraid of this task. When Demna was nearing the age of eleven, his mother Myrna finally returned to him at Sleeve Bloom. She had married the King of Carrick in Munster, a man who she felt was powerful enough to protect both her and her son from Clan Morna. Myrna sought to finally bring her son home with her, but Bovel refused to let mother even see her son. This child is the son of Cool. He is destined to avenge his father's unjust death, restore the glory of Clan Baskna and become leader of the Fianna. If that is even to remotely become a possibility, you know as well as I that he must begin the rigorous trials of a warrior now. The last thing he needs is to be taken away and be mollycoddled by his mother. He won't stand a chance. Even though it broke her heart, Werner knew that Bovel was right. Just, just let me see him. No. I don't mean to be cruel, but I'm saving both of you heartache by refusing. Demna doesn't remember you. To him, Leah Lucra and I are his mothers. It is best for him that he continues to believe that until he is ready. 
and you know that if you see him, you'll find it too hard to say goodbye again. It's best for everyone if you just go. Tears gushing down her face, Muirna hugged her sister and returned to Munster without her son. Although they had raised and trained him well, Boval and Lea Lucra both knew that the majority of what would make him a great warrior and leader, Demna would have to learn himself. So when the boy came of age, he was sent out to begin the long and rigorous journey of a hero. But it was as he was saying goodbye to his two foster mothers that Demna was given a new name. You have grown into a fine young man. The beauty and grace of both your father and mother. The face of cool, the beautiful fair hair of Muerna. In looks and manner, you are the fair one. Fionn. And with that, the young Fionn McCool set out on his journey of adventure, revenge and glory. To be continued. And that is the first story of the Fenian cycle. The first story of Fionn McCool. Short, short little story now, I have to say. Um, but one I absolutely adored writing. It's already... And not even problem that I've talked about with the mythological cycle when talking about the gods is the stories, they're more sprawling. Like um, the five or six stories from the mythological cycle that I did all kind of become one story. I, I've tried to, I tried to make them as individual to stand on their own as they could, but obviously contextually with, I think, to really enjoy them and really kind of get everything, you do need to have the whole story. Uh, but this, this already, I don't know how it was for you listening to it, but to me, reading and writing and looking at different versions of this, it it's so evocative of so many other fantasy stories and films and books. Just bizarrely, one of the the things that sticks out the most to me is um, is Sleeping Beauty. This idea of um, of this young child being taken away from his parents and taken into the woods and being raised by these two foster warrior women just reminds me of the three the three fairies who raise Aurora in Sleeping Beauty and. That's such a strong fantasy vision, and of course now we now we get to really see because it's often it's often said that men and women are very much on equal footing in in mythology, in Irish mythology certainly, and it was the Catholic churches, the churches, and the early monks, their inscribements of of these stories, which are the reasons that we have versions of them, that diminishes their roles. And it's a much more contemporary thing, this in, this inequality between the sexes that we're slowly but surely getting past now. But it's, I love seeing that. I love, like, Coo Cullen's the same. Coo Cullen was trained by uh, by a warrior woman on, on, I forget the name of the island. We'll get to that before. But I love this as well. These three women raising the young Phil McCool before he sets off on his epic journey that I can't wait to go on with him. And I hope you can't as well. Um my sources for this story were, of course, the Lady Gregory book. It was the first story. But in Lady Gregory's story, there's kind of no background to the Fianna. You know, it just kind of opens saying that Cool was killed by Gull and the mother escaped. Whereas I thought to kind of start off, I really wanted to really get, get off from the very beginning and find out, like, where does Fianna come from? Because Fianna and Fenian, they're still such 
prominent words in Irish culture, certainly, um, for non for non Irish listeners to the podcast, which I know there are a few of. Um, one of our main p- political parties in Ireland is the Fianna Fáil, which we translate now as Soldiers of Destiny. So it's really cool to know that Fianna like comes from. Uh, a word meaning the wild ones and those of the wilderness, this incredible idea of these gentry who didn't own land yet and so existed outside of society as this militia force almost, these uh, mercenaries, so to speak, and that fiends were actually historically a thing, that these did exist. And then the idea of like forming this great army, these fiena, like these, like this argonaut, these like collection of different heroes is great. Um, it's nice to finally meet Khan of the Hundred Battles. It's a name that's thrown around a lot um, that I don't really know anything about, like, other than I know that he's on the throne at this moment. I hope that there's more to be gained from him as we explore as we explore throughout the stories as well. Um, but yes, but Lady Gregory's version uh, just kind of starts with the birth of Fionn, so I had, to, I had to go through another couple of sources, and I'd like to give credit where credit is due where I can. Of course, I write my own versions of these and combine different versions and stuff. Um, But just a couple of websites that I found out that I've used a little bit before, but not too much. Um, There's one website called Timeless Myths, um, which was great for finding out about... um, about the clans, about the Boscan and everything. But there's a website, another uh, website that I've used once or twice before, but never too much, is Ali Isaac Storyteller. Um, seems to be an Irish scholar, um, but she has loads, she has loads and loads about Irish mythology on her page. But hers was really useful. That's where I got um, the Irish, the Irish language translations for the different members of the Vina and the Rivini and just about the history of a fian. So I'm grateful for her as a source there as well. Um, and then, of course, Lady Gregory as well. I think one of the main details I got from the Lady Gregory book was that he killed, that his first hunt was killing a duck. I liked the image of that. Um, so I had said before um, that last week we did an, an American folktale and I hope you enjoy that, those that listen to it. That is still the plan. Next week I will go back and do another American folktale, but I just felt that in terms of the myths, I should kind of keep going with the rhythm that I'd been building of doing the alternating weeks. Um, so I hope you're satisfied with that as well, and it's really great to have started a new a new cycle. Um, this potentially could be... This potentially could be um, a shorter episode, um, and I do apologise for those that they... A few of these more recent ones may have been getting shorter. I've been tr- doing my very best um, to get time to write and record these podcasts on the road. As I said, I love, love doing it. I love having the gear. I love being able to do this, just packing it up in a little bag and being able to roll it out in just a hotel room, wherever. Um, I even recorded one of them in one of the theatres uh, when we were in Galveston in Texas a few weeks ago. Um, but time constraints are what they are, and just we travel around a lot on the road and do a lot of shows and everything so I am doing my very best and I hope that the standard is still staying high even if uh, even if some of the stories are a bit shorter um, but I am only on the road for another three weeks um, and then I am back to Ireland back into the beautiful Headstuff Podcast Network and I can't wait to get back into the studio properly and then um, I can get really 
really back into back into us and into the swing of things. Um, so thank you for all of those who continue to listen. Um, I could do. I'm kind of toying around ideas at the moment, but I am. I'm wanting to build up to a live show. I've been talking about this for a while, um, but now as we're as we're nearly up to twenty twenty episodes, which is really exciting. This tiny thing that I just had an idea of, and it's really it's really cool that it's twenty episodes in, and that there are regular listeners. And I I can't stress enough how much I love when you know someone comes out of the woodwork, then I get a message. When I get a message on Facebook or on Instagram from from either a stranger or a close friend who I talk to regularly or even a friend who I haven't talked to in years just reaching out and telling me. It's happened with family members as well. Even, um, you know, like a lot of a lot of my work that I've done on on stage, um, you know, my family would come to and they, not everything is going to be everyone's cup of tea. And of course, and I've taken them to some quite dark things Um but uh, my my own parents listen to this podcast, which I think is fantastic as well, because I it's it's relatively clean and it's universal, and I that's that's one of my favorite things about it is that people haven't. And I was even chatting to my mum on the phone recently, and she uh, told me that like one of even more of some of her family in Cork are listening to it now as well. So that's great, and I love hearing that. Oh, I must uh, I must do the shout out while I think of it. Actually, this this episode is dedicated to two people. Uh, to Matthew James Duff, who is um, he's a member of the cast of World of Musicals. He's a singer and a dancer in it. Um, himself and myself have toured many times together. We've toured in Germany, on Australia, and now we're touring in America, all with this same show. So we go way back and we know each other very well. But just as before I was about to start recording this podcast, he was like, mention me. And I said, I will. So I have. And the other person who this is dedicated to is a man by the name of Fionn Foley, an incredibly talented actor, musician, and writer um, who I've had the great pleasure of working with um, on a musical called Fierce Notions last year. But I also call him a very close personal friend as well. And he is in many ways, he has been a, a mythological guru to me before. And he is actually named after Fionn McCool. So I couldn't couldn't start off the Fenian cycle without giving a shout out to my boy Fionn and... Look forward to hanging out with them, grabbing a pint of Guinness when I get back. Oh my God, I long, I long for a pint of Guinness. No matter how many times, we've gone to several Irish bars over in America, because well, say whatever you will, you, you just know what you're going to get when you go into them. They're just reliable, but never in a million years would I drink a pint of Guinness over here. It's the common phrase, but it just doesn't travel well. But when we were in Calgary in Canada one of the lads in the cast, did get a pint of Guinness and he physically couldn't finish it. And that was really satisfying to know because it's not just in our heads then. It isn't just that we're being, you know, banners about it, like thinking that like, oh, it's not nice. We're not being elitist about it. It actually is undrinkable in other countries, which is good to know. There are only two places in the world where you are recommended to drink Guinness. One is, of course, Ireland and the other, bizarrely enough, is Nigeria. The second biggest... Guinness factory in the world is in Nigeria. They drink it by the pint bottle and the heat makes it about 7% and it's apparently like drinking sulfuric acid. On the literary tours of Dublin that I do back home, I um, I had a Nigerian tourist on it once and he told me that you basically like you pre-drink with Guinness. You'd have two bottles of Guinness before going out and be absolutely hammered. Um, which is a total tangent there, but a natural flow of one nonetheless. Um, 
because even though that this was going to be a shorter episode, I wouldn't hate for it to be drivel at all and rambly, which, of course, these latter sections of the podcast often are. I get slagged by my friend Rory regularly for that. Um, but next week, we're going to go back to the folktales. We're going to talk about... Um, I think we're going to do one of the Jack Tales. There are a series of Jack Tales in American folk folklore um, that I found a good few of. And I think I might do a couple of them, um, but we'll see what I want. I'll do next week. Uh, please, please, please do continue to subscribe, uh, like, and leave ratings and comments on iTunes uh, wherever you can leave. I don't think, I don't know if you can comment. I should find this out if you can leave ratings on Spotify and all, because I think, I think actually a lot of people are listening to it on Spotify, uh, which is great because something everyone has, and obviously not everyone has an iPhone. Um, but please do, it really does make the difference. Please do continue reaching out to me on Instagram is the best place to get me at Olahan Solo, O L O H A N S O L O, all one word. Um, if you have anything that you like, anything that you don't like, maybe don't reach out with hate. Maybe don't reach out with something that you don't like. But uh, if there's something that I am doing that you're liking that you would like more of, please do, because I always want this. I like the socialist element of of podcasting, um, and I would always want it to grow together and respond to that, because it's, it's great. I record it here, it goes straight out, and then anyone in the world can listen to it for free. That's I love that so much. Um, I say that as I'm holding. I spoke a couple of couple of podcasts ago that I was recording into a sock uh, on a coat hanger. I now have upgraded to the pair of tights on a coat hanger, so I am proper professional now. And I've been holding yes, this pair of tights on a coat hanger on in front of my face for the last half an hour. Um, okay, I'll go now. I must go. I'm going out to. Um, Disney Springs tonight, which is the village just outside Disneyland, uh, to a very famous Irish bar called Raglan Road, um, where a friend of my brother's is gigging. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to uh, Raglan Road. It's kind of a rite of passage for a lot of Irish musicians and Irish dancers. So I'm looking forward to finally seeing it, hopefully having a good time. Um, we've got another string of shows now. We're in Florida for the next eight days, yes. We've got three shows in a row now, and then we've another day off. Um, yeah, we've another so we've another seven shows in Florida, then a couple in uh, we're in North Carolina, South Carolina, Oklahoma, and then we kind of move back up east. We're in Maine, Massachusetts, and we finish up in Morristown in New Jersey. So it is is the twenty fifth of March now as I'm recording this. I don't know if that should be taken out. <laughs> uh, no, because this will go out tomorrow, so that's... Uh, I'm very on top of myself at the moment. I usually like to be a f- couple of episodes ahead, uh, but that hasn't been the case here, um, just with the time constraints. But I'm in Morristown, New Jersey on the 10th of April, and then I fly home to Ireland on the 11th. And I'm having an absolutely fantastic time here. I really, really love America. But also, of course, I'm looking forward to getting home to see my friends, my family, get back to the gigs, get back to the studio, get back to it. So I'll go on with that. Uh, so I hope you've enjoyed the forming of the Fianna. Um, next time we come back, we'll be looking at Fionn's adolescence. And there might even be a mention of an old salmon of knowledge. Imagine that. 
finally, the boy himself, the big owl salmon. Um, okay, I'll go on. But thank you so much for listening. Please continue to do so. And I will see you all next time around the fireside. Goodbye. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.